Living Adventurously is brought to you in partnership with Kamut, the route planning and navigation app that helps you make the most of your outdoor adventures. Whether you're cycling, hiking, running or bikepacking, Kamut's easy-to-use technology will get you out the door and exploring more of the great outdoors. You can see where I've been exploring by checking out the highlights of my journey on Kamut. Just follow the link in the show notes. My name is Alistair Humphreys. I set out on a bicycle journey around Yorkshire to speak to interesting, ordinary people who, in very different ways, are making an effort to live adventurously. I wanted to talk about what they do, about the barriers they've faced along the way, and to seek their perspective on some of the big questions that all of us encounter in our lives. Welcome to Living Adventurously. <laughs> I've written here, needs intro music. Um, okay, here we go. Um... <laughs> That'll do. The afternoon and evening I spent in Leeds contained pretty much everything I'd been hoping for on this trip. First of all, I was shown around the sights of the city by a, a proud local born and bred Yorkshireman. Um, and we met a young delivery cyclist who was saving up the cash and the courage to try to cycle a continent or two. We chatted with him for a while. And then Imran took me along to the evening prayers at his mosque. I sat quietly at the back and the faces, uh, the language, the smells of the mosque, they all reminded me of my, my own bicycle rides through far-off lands. Pakistan, Tanzania, Syria, Uzbekistan. So many memories of other bike journeys coming back to me. Imran is the first British Pakistani to have cycled around the world. And the similarities and the differences of our journeys, uh, the barriers we face to get going... Uh, the way the trip was received by friends and family. It's fascinating chatting to him. And in the evening, I went along to Imran's home for a seriously delicious and colossal curry uh, cooked by his mum for us. Imran knows well a cyclist hunger, so he force-fed me until I was fit to burst. And after that came the dessert of apple crumble and custard. Um, and then, stomachs hurting, Leaning back on the uh, carpet, we, we had a chat. Okay, professional podcast, sitting on the floor, your house in, uh, in Leeds after a really, really delicious meal. Um, it's very nice to see you again, Imran. Round the world cyclist and Yorkshireman. Thank Meet, you, Alistair. Meets round the world cyclist and Yorkshireman. There's always a, there's always a great collaboration when two uh, round, cyclists meet, round the world cyclists meet. Yeah, we've got a lot of, uh, <laughs> lot of stories to tell. Um, First question for you is, well, it's been great today. You were showing me around Leeds. So um, Leeds is your home. So tell me a bit about your feelings towards Leeds. Well, yeah, it's like I said, it's my home. It's the city I grew up in. I just feel very passionate about Leeds because of its history, uh, because of the city that is always constantly evolving. Um, There's great opportunities here. Uh, We have one of the greatest parks in all of Europe, which is Round Day Park. And, uh, one of the, and one of the best things about Leeds is we're surrounded by stunning countryside. So it's not that 
far of a trek to go towards the Dales, to Yorkshire Dales, and it's not that far from the Peak District. Kind of almost sits in the uh, in the in the centre of it all. In, in, in the centre of it all. So I've just dropped custard on <laughs> so, Imran's new carpet. So it's okay. It's only custard. It's all right. It's not pain at least. It's a disaster. Sorry. <laughs> it's all right. Right. I can't multitask. Okay. Um, so yeah, you're you you like Leeds. You're, yeah. You're proud. Um, Man of Leeds. Leedsonian. Li- I, think, I, think I think that's what it's called, isn't it? Le- Leedsonians or something you've, like that. You've lived here all your life. I've lived here all my life. Um, yeah. Is there anywhere else in the world that you would like to live except for Yorkshire? Well, this is the question that I kind of asked myself when I stopped at some of the most amazing locations when I was cycling around the world. And to be honest with you, if anything, sorry, I'm burping a little bit in the background. If anything, it made me appreciate Yorkshire even more. When you go, it's, I mean, it's amazing to see some great places, but it makes you appreciate your home even more when you're away. And uh, and I, I have to say that there's nowhere I've ever been that has made me want to leave Yorkshire. I love Yorkshire that much. It's deep-rooted within me. Everything about Yorkshire, the, the coastline, the Dale, the North York Moors. Uh, but, but, but I have to say that if I was to move, then California does come a close second. But even then, it, it doesn't. I don't know. Does it top Yorkshire? I'm not sure, but Yorkshire's home for me, so I'm good with Yorkshire. I love the I love the fact that you are um, bracketing Leeds and Yorkshire up there with uh, San Francisco and Muscle Beach, and that that's the sign of a true proud, yeah. born and bred Yorkshireman. I'm here, so you know I'm settled. I don't want to. I don't want to leave anywhere else. I like I like that very much. So you, this is important to the next point. You are full on Leeds man. Earlier this evening, you very kindly took me along with you to the mosque mm-hmm. for your evening prayers. Um, and while you guys were all at the front uh, praying, I sing, sat at the back. And I loved it because it just reminded me of mosques I've been to in Pakistan, Saudi Arabia, Tanzania, Singapore, that, um, the, the Ummah, the community all over the world. I love that. And it just made me think, wow love traveling the world i want to be in all these crazy far off foreign places so that's a very different slant on yorkshire I mean, you've just been saying you're a full-on yorkshireman and then there we were doing stuff that's very un-yorkshire yeah so yeah. tell me about that little that sort of the the um the overlap of those two worlds well i guess it's kind of like a fusion really because obviously i'm i'm a muslim and uh, and I've all, I've always been from from the start. I've always practiced my religion as best I can. My father was a very religious man, and he had that instilled with me, within me. But but uh, you know, when when you're young, it's just you're just going through the motions more than anything, rather than uh, knowing what you're really doing. But as you get older, you start to appreciate it more, learn about it more. And I think it, it's it's a great collaboration in the sense that um, it's like a, a, a you know a meeting of two cultures that that, you know, that have bonded so well. Like we have the famous Curry Mile here in Bradford, which is not too far away. Uh, and obviously the variety of foods that we have here. Um, so really, um, yeah, it's, and I like the fact that, you know, I can come out here and be Yorkshire and go, go to a pub and have a meal and a drink and enjoy the Yorkshire Dells. And I like the, the, and I like the solitude and the peace that you get from the mosque which I can do five times a day. So I don't have to, you know, it's, it's there, it's open, you know, it's not like, um, I mean, I grew up with people going to church once a week. So, you know, the fact that we have a mosque and and also the mosque has a great community spirit about it as well. So, um, so yeah, I think it's a great collaboration, uh, a great unification between two different cultures. So one, one of the reasons that I've got on my bike to spend a month cycling around Yorkshire is because I'm interested in the idea of 
home in my mm. own life. So whenever someone says to me, anywhere in the world, they say, where do you live? I always say, oh, I live down in London, but I'm from Yorkshire. They always say that. But I've actually lived down south and away from Yorkshire for so long now, like more than half my life. But I still feel proudly that I'm from Yorkshire. So what I'm interested in from cycling around is to try and work out whether home is where you live, home is where you were born, or home is where the heart is, as the cliche goes. So what's your take on it as a Yorkshire Pakistani or a Pakistani Yorkshireman or however you pitch yeah. yourself? Well, what, what is home? Home is, I believe, is certainly where the heart rests. No matter where you go in the world, no matter how amazing sceneries you see and a place that you can always envision moving, uh, home is where the heart absolutely is. I was doing a journey last year, for 3,000 mile journey across Europe last year. And I was in some of these most beautiful places like in Sardinia, then I was in Sicily and I was in the south of Italy. Then I was on the Croatian coastline. And for most of that, I was thinking about Yorkshire. I was in these places that people go away for holiday and I'm thinking about home. <laughs> I don't know whether that's to be because I'm getting older or whether it's because where the home is where the heart heart rest and I certainly believe it's where the heart rest for sure I mean everybody's from Yorkshire is deeply proud of it we got we have every reason to be proud of Yorkshire yeah it's, it's weird uh, it's, the most, happens, it's, it's it? the most diverse county I think in entire Britain not just England but entire Britain that's the most diverse county and collectively it's the biggest as well and we have been in Yorkshire a lot particularly with the cycling we're so spoiled with the cycling we don't have a toddy Devon we don't have a toddy Hampshire we don't have a toddy we have a toddy Yorkshire for a reason uh, Tour de France started here back in 2014 we've got the world championships coming here the Tour of Britain passes here every so often we are spoiled yeah it's brilliant spoiled. isn't it so it really is that home is where the heart rests absolutely okay um, the other thing I'm interested in on this trip is uh, having cycled around the world is trying to figure out whether I can have adventures close to home and this evening we've been talking about the adventures we've all had around Britain and enjoyed um, but also just that as as I get older, my attitude to adventure changes. I think that's quite an interesting thing. So what do you think of as living adventurously? What does that mean to you at the moment in your life? I think it parallels yours quite a lot. I mean, we both did this one big thing, but we don't find a need to do one massive thing anymore now. Because, you know, it, I think everything plateaus eventually. But certainly with this country, I mean... Chemically in the in the mind it's always the same. If you're seeing something new for the first time that you've never been, that you've never been to, whether it be the other side of the world or whether it be in your own country, I think your mind is, is, is it, it, chemically it's the same response. So really, um, in this country, we I mean I, I just did I just did a thousand miles recently, and I, I, some places I've been to before, some places I've never been to before, and it was just an absolute joy. You don't have to spend elaborate, have an elaborate itinerary or, or or any fancy holiday or anything like that. It really, we have everything on our doorstep. And and one thing that kind of makes me a little bit sad, I guess, is that you know you'll hear somebody's been other side of the world or, or or go to Spain every year, but they've never been to somewhere like Cornwall. They've never been to like the North Coast Five Hundred of Scotland. They've never been to um, you know uh, the, the lakes or anything like that. You know, it's always like. You know, they want to. I guess everybody wants something different, but um, but no, certainly um, we have we have 
and I would say it's one of the best countries in the world, not because I live here, that's not a biased point of view, it's just the variety that we have over here, the different cultures as well, the amalgamation of different cultures. There's nowhere in any city in Europe that you could ever go to where you can see that many faces from all over the world, like Londoners of such, and even in any major city. And then we have all the foods, you know, we're not restricted to, you know, if you want to have Thai food, you can have Thai, every, any part of the world. But so really, that, this is a good example yeah. this evening. We've eaten the lovely Pakistani food. With, with, English, apple with the English crumble. dessert. Top with the, the classic eat, English. I've eaten so much that I'm now, my tummy now hurts. So I'm sort of squirming around the floor. Uh, you'll, burn, you'll burn it off tomorrow, let's Yeah. <laughs> okay, so I want to go back in time to, um, you had a job you didn't really like. Mm. Pretty rubbish job. Um, it's a call center job. Somehow you end up, coming up with this idea and reading about hey it might be possible to cycle around the world so you get this idea of hey maybe i can go cycle around the world and this dream grew and but i think loads of people have dream yeah. they have rubbish jobs and then they have dreams to go do an adventure so how did you go from turning a dream of that into actually deciding yeah. properly to cycle around the world well I always had this idea of cycling and, well, I always wanted to travel, but I love cycling. And my, my real turnaround point came when I met this one guy from Europe, from Holland, who was cycling around Europe for 80 days. And and then uh, we kind of agreed to meet up the next year and I did a tour with him going across the French, Italian, Swiss and Austrian Alps. So kind of diving in, dived in head first, really, going through, through a hard mountain range with a fully loaded bike. And it was after that journey that I envisioned cycling around the world, but I never kind of thought it would ever be possible until I got working in this job. And I was just, you know, in front of a laptop and I had a headpiece on me and and it was just so repetitive. And I thought, this this cannot be life. This cannot be this cannot be my fate for the rest of my life. And lo and behold, Alistair, I uh, found a little article in uh, Cycling Weekly and I saw an article of you. All right, this, 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 this looks pretty interesting. Four years. And he's like, I gotta read about this guy. So I Googled your name, came across your vlogs. And I think after reading your vlogs, being from Yorkshire and emphasizing that you're a dweeb, <laughs> in your own words, which, which you know, I disagree. It doesn't take a dweeb cycle around the world, but he made it seem possible. So he's a York, fellow Yorkshireman who's, who's actually doing it. He's at the back end of his journey. And I got reading more and more of your stuff and he started, started to envision more that maybe maybe I can do it. Maybe if he can do it, then maybe I can do it. He's from Yorkshire. He's just like 20. And he supports Leeds United. So there's some, <laughs> so, there's definitely some links there. But, so, but what, what was the moment that made you go from... Because I think a lot of people have daydreams yeah. like this. What made you actually think, I'm doing it? Yeah, well, it was a daydream. It's something I really wanted to do. But then I think the real, the real thing came when... Uh, when, you know, many years had passed and I had this dream and nothing was, I wasn't getting any closer. We always say one day, but that one day never comes until you have to make it happen. Uh, then uh, I guess uh, redundancy brought that up when uh, I was working in the NHS for four years and, and my redundancy was announced. It was announced whether I'd get me redundant or not. I didn't know, but I had booked a trip to America because I'd never been there. So I'm going to cycle Route 66 after watching Billy Connolly's documentary. <laughs> yeah. So I thought, I've never been in America. I'll, I'll just cycle across Route 66. And really, that was my warm tour. And after that, I thought, okay, right, I'm ready to go around the world after that. After that journey was my real moment where I thought I'm going around the world. And, and what really sealed it was, was that the fact that my father was ill at the time. I came back and uh, and he was, he'd been ill for, for a pretty long time. And I saw a very healthy man who deteriorated in a certain range of time and I thought, you know, health is not a given. It can be taken away from anybody. And while you have this window in your life, 
just just grab the ball by the horns and then I just committed myself right uh, uh, you know I couldn't find a job at the time or anything I was kind of mourning the loss of my dad and then then I think it was later that year maybe in December I, uh, I decided right I'm, I'm, I'm gonna go I'm gonna go cycle around the world I'm just gonna do it brilliant I, I love it's a, such a cool story um I think you know going to cycle around the world is a hard thing to do because um well you have to get time off work you you got made redundant so that solved that you have to get some money because mm-hmm. it's expensive that's a problem uh, people have struggled to go cycle around the world because they've got young kids there's yeah. all these things that stop us and every and what I come up against time and again is people who want to do things but they can't because of these things and they're all legitimate barriers but what I'm particularly interested in is the barriers inside our head that stop us turning our dreams into reality um and in your context I'm interested to know because we all have these things in our head that stop us that we're yeah. scared and we're scared and scared mm-hmm. but you have you have an extra layer of a complication in your life being from the Pakistani community yeah. where it's not the done thing to get on your no, bike and go and be a vagabond so can you tell me some about the barriers to adventure that you face from within the community it was such a contrast because here I was I mean for the first four months I was with my friend John Jonathan and his parents would openly encourage him yeah get out get on see the world go and learn and my my, my not, my, not my father but my mother she's obviously you know uh you know, no, you can't. Well, go go for Budoga that long. You know, it's a very clingy in my culture. We, we, it's not the norm. We don't do this culturally speaking. Uh, so really, uh, I've kind of broken the mold. Uh, not that I wanted to. It's just kind of like life has led me this way. But, um, but did you tell her you were cycling around the world? No, no, I didn't tell her I was cycling around the world because I can't tell her I'm cycling. I just tell her, listen, I'm just gonna go for a few months. Yeah, I'll be back. I'm just gonna go for a few months. I'm just gonna probably cycle maybe near China and I'll come back. Uh, give me about three, four months, I'll be back. You know, obviously everything was fresh at the time because my father only passed away like seven, eight months before and I just, I didn't want to say that I'm going away. And I, actually, I was, I, even I didn't believe at that time I was going to go around the world. I had this intention to, but I thought to myself, let's see if I get too far as Singapore first. Okay, so that was, um, <laughs> that was my, one of my first checkpoints and I was assess how I was doing physically and mentally from there if I wanted to go on. So it was a barrier in my culture, absolutely, because culturally the parents hold on to you as long as they can here. So you were ex- the expectation on you was that you should be getting a good job, married, getting children, married, yeah, yeah, have all some kids. Norms, yeah. That was the pressure on that. that, that that's so, always been a pressure, but you know, like, I mean, you how, can see, how have you dealt with that? Well, you can see that you can see why your parents say it because they want to see they want to see you uh, uh, stable in life, and stability means them is getting a job, having a wife, having the children, having making your own family. But you know, it's and. And, you know, my life didn't lead me down there. I always didn't want to just settle. You know, I didn't want to, like, have, you know, just... Um, I always thought, you know, I always find that when people have children, they're always restricted in some way or another. Something always comes up. And if you had excuses before when you were single, you still, you, you will never get out if you're, if you're married with kids. So I never... that. I, I guess I had that envision of doing these adventures, but I always thought if something like marriage or com- commitments like that gets in the way, it's just going to be a lot harder. I'm not saying it's impossible, but it'll just be a lot harder. So, so you've yeah. got to go now. You've got to go now. You, there's, there's, a, there's a certain, and I, and I say this, there's always a certain window in your life to do something, you know, and you've got to calculate that that that, uh, that window, you know, because health is not a given. We don't know, you know, I mean, I almost died in France a few years ago, literally when I got knocked over by a truck. But, um, and I thought I was the end of me for, for the first few seconds, but, um, and I had a gunshot, and I had a gun, and I missed a bullet by a foot, and I had a gunshot, gunshot by a, 
bullet missed me by a foot and then I had a gun put to my head. So I thought that was the end. Then that was when I was on my journey. So when you come across these hurdles, but you know, um, life is just, you know, you, you just, you just carry on going, man. You know, it's, um, so yeah, it's just, uh, you, just uh, you did it. Yeah. Well, you know, it's just, uh, it, it wasn't to take a box. It was really going around the world was an education, man. What you learn, the, I mean, it, it halts time, 15 months, you know, it's relatively short in a lifetime, but it was, honestly, you see more in that 15 months than you would do in your entire life. You meet more people, it's so spontaneous. That whenever you have that window in your life that, you know, calculate, you know, if you're ever going to have commitments in the future or, you know, health's not given, just grab that window with both hands. If you want to do something and you're thinking of doing something, just, you know, just, uh, just be bold. Just go for it, man. So once you got back from cycling around the world, um, how did the local community maybe at the mosque or your mum how did they then regard you once you'd gone off done this crazy thing and come home Were yeah they like, the, I, I told you that was stupid or had their attitudes changed no attitudes completely changed i mean um um to the point where <laughs> you know um when i rolled down my street here where we are now i thought i was just gonna come home with my mum and dad outside and there was a whole big massive party out here with a finishing line and, and cakes and everything so really my brother especially, uh, you know, everybody was proud of what I'd done at the time because obviously no, nobody ever done, my family or even culturally ever kind of done that really. But really, really I think it dawned on them that my goodness, he's actually cycled around the entire world. We get on a plane to go to Pakistan, which is what our parents usually, Pakistani parents usually do. And, and they'll be talking about weeks about the plane journey, you know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> about what it was like, uh, you know, in the airport waiting for, you know, waiting for the uh, second, you know, the, you know, the stopover, yeah, you, you hear that for, for days on end. And here, here was uh, somebody who's actually cycled on the whole, and then it dawned on them that, oh my goodness, and obviously while I was on the journey, I was posting videos as well, uh, editing on the road as much as I could, and give those who were following me, my family, uh, a scope of where I was and what I was going through. And all that. obviously I didn't mention the gun incident and the robbery. I didn't <laughs> mention that till I got back because you don't want to alarm people. But, uh, but yeah, they were really, really proud of me actually. Obviously. And rightly so. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Um, you are a brilliant magician. You've been <laughs> confusing us and astonishing us with your card tricks. Uh, and I know you've used them on your adventures to help you wangle out of tricky situations so i've got my own deck of cards for you here all right uh, these are some uh, questions i'm going around trying to figure oh. out my life so i thought i'd get your to figure out your life yeah okay so i'm after your wisdom so if you take 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 a card from the top take a card from the top okay from the and uh if give me your best shot you don't have to answer them if you don't want to tell me the story of something you regret okay i i, I that's easy that's easy i regret being shy because my I never, I never had a girlfriend for, for, for a very, very long time. And that's one of my regrets. I was never, I was never forward enough. I was always a beta male, not an alpha male. That's one of my regrets because I didn't have enough so, fun. So what, what have you, what have you learned from your uh, years of shyness? Cause you don't strike me as shy anymore. You know, I can speak to people, like speak to women and people in general it's just it's just when it comes to courting I, mean, I i back off there you know because i always think i'm inadequate and my shyness and my my lack of confidence has always held me back there and i think that's kind of like one thing i really regret that i wish you know when i was a bit younger and i just kind of went through really you know just not, not held back but i was so shy and so lacking confidence of myself that i always thought thought that the 
person who I'm trying to have an interest in would all, could, could always do something better, which is why which is which is where my hesitation comes from, really. More than anything, that's my regret. Excellent. Okay, let's go. What three things do you need to do to live a life of purpose? Okay, I'm interested because from your from going to the mosque with you, that there's a very clear. This well, there's the tenets, but there's some sort of there's a community there with purpose. We talked to the guy who just come back from um, Africa. This yeah, evening. yeah, yeah. Um, so, in your opinion, what three things do you need to live a life of purpose? I think because there, there, there is more to life than just having an adventure and fun, isn't there? I think I think the number one has to be my religion more than anything because this going around the world taught me this because there were times where I was homesick where I wanted to just bail out and just say why am I doing this when I especially when I was coming across hard times and I found that when I actually stopped and prayed that how much I needed that and I can't believe how much she was like pressing the reset button for me and how it got me got me back to square one and just put everything in focus and that brought me close to home and brought me close to God and it wasn't a psychological thing I felt it I, I kind of felt it physically really more than anything so I think my religion is, is is the first thing I would put in that order the second thing I can't live without is obviously my second journey which is I've got to I can't live without I think the second one has definitely got to be having a family um, having a family because really you know it's good having your friends and your mates, but, you know, you can't, you know, when, when the shit hits the fan, so to speak, yeah, you find that when you're in a low situation, and I found this by observing that people just abandon you. But statistically speaking, your family won't. <laughs> so it's good if you have your own. So I think definitely having your own family and this is that fulfillment of having your own children, having, having a wife, having someone to go home to and love and have a sense of belonging. So that's something I think... Uh, uh, I, I, I need to have to I have yet to fulfill that part whether I will is subjective but certainly uh, that, that's one purpose and, and the second thing is, is a bicycle it's the last thing is a bicycle and I know it's a cliche answer but really it's been a, uh, on the surface oh sorry on the surface it's just people it's just me on a bicycle and I'm pedaling two wheels but really it's, 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 it's a philosophy it's a mantra whenever you're stressed whenever you got difficulties in your life whenever and I, this, I guess it's the reason why I first got into cycling because it took me out of the, my environment took me out of my problems took me out of drugs here took me out of uh, hanging around with a bad crowd and I really found my own path and really found my own direction and it became almost meditational just to feel and breathe the gradients and the temperatures and being at one with the environment that the last thing you that the last thing it ever becomes about is the bicycle and about where you are and the present and the bicycle is a very good tool to get you get you to that place I think that's a brilliant answer God, family and a bicycle <laughs> yeah. I like that <laughs> <laughs> What do you want to be when you grow up? Hmm. I would like to work with the, the youth and pass on some some things that I've learned. I'm not saying you can, you know, um, I'd like to pass down things I've learned on the road. Uh, not saying that people should get on a bike and tour, but just some of the philosophies I've learned in life and, and how they could uh, take some of the principles I've learned and apply it to their current situation in their life. So I think that's something I like to do when I grow up. I think you do. It's such a brilliant thing of just going around schools, schools uh, in Oops. town. That's that's gonna go on for a bit. Oh, is it? Someone's, someone's gonna pick up the phone. One second. Oh, okay. It's, okay. They picked up the phone. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. I think you need to go around schools. I think it'll be yeah. brilliant for so many kids to hear to hear your story. 
I've had the opportunity to do that, so uh, that's that's one box ticked. And I've I've been called a few times to other places, to other schools, but I've just not bothered. Uh, I just so I guess sometimes everything plateaus, and I at the moment, you know, I will definitely focus back on that. But really, as time goes by, you appreciate what you've done in the past. But at the same time, it's all about forward. You can't keep dwelling in the past as well. But yeah, certainly the schools and and. You know, Jabbar here sat with us, does youth work, and I've talked to him about perhaps doing some youth work within the communities over here and just passing down some of those uh, things that, you know, I would have liked passed down to, or what I thought would have liked passed down to me had I been that age. Well, I think what would be awesome would be if you could take young kids from this this community here out mm. on little adventures. Oh, they would love it. Get some young Pakistani kids and take them out on their bikes and go camping. That's this that, is, that's life-changing stuff. We, we were discussing this literally a few weeks ago about about this possibility of getting some funding, uh, from, uh, getting some uh, you know council funding and setting up some of these projects. Maybe get you on board. Who knows? But uh, but you know, just to get, especially within this community, just teach them that you know there's more to life than your, your mobile phone and and uh, you know Love Island and all this stuff. And you know what the kids cling on to these days and there's a whole world out there and a great example is like you know if you I think sometimes it's parenting as well because you know these days now if you give a if you give an iPad to a kid now it'll just shut them up and just get them off your case for a bit and I think they get glued to that um, but if you just take it if, if you give a kid an iPad or, or or the park with trees and you know stuff to climb you'd choose that any day you know but it's so convenient now to even even to the point where even Steve Jobs not a lot of people know this but Steve Jobs the, the man who introduced the Apple iPad did not allow an Apple iPad in his own house. That says yeah. a lot. Well, I, I think you would do a great job if you could team up with your friends. And we're going to, we, 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 we when I get back, because I'm going away in a couple of days, so when I get back, we're going to certainly collaborate and get this on the road because I can't be delivering pizzas in a box all my life. Either. I know it's good for a part-time job and it earns me quite a bit of money, but uh, but I like to do something that makes a difference and a change, not not just for not just filling someone's stomach. Well, give, <laughs> Most times, you don't even get a tip. <laughs> give me a ring. I'm sure we can make that happen, can't we? Right, we'll do a couple more okay. cards. Let's go. This is interesting. I've had this. <laughs> what is your favorite failure in life? Why was it important? Wow, that's a good question. What was your favorite failure in life? Probably wasn't favorite at the time. Favorite failure in life. Um, I think. I think a failure. I'm not sure if it's a failure, but I think doubt, self doubt, is more of a failure than anything. Um, again, like like I, I, you know, from conceiving to going around the world to to not doing it for many years, you know, and from the prime years of my life, uh, I, I guess that will probably be a failure. But at the same time, I kind of love that the sense that it made me actually do it in the end. So. What what have you learned from that the period of self doubt? That um, that we all kind of we all doubt ourselves no matter what all we ever do. You know, we always have a doubt and a question. But one thing I've learned is that if you just if you just throw a caution to the wind and just just go with your gut instinct, and then you can reflect on your failures. Um, think you know well, it wasn't such a failure after all because you know it's kind of led you to the point where you are right now. So. So really, I mean, I guess that would be it really if I had to think of my favorite failure. Okay. You know, so it was a hard question, actually. It's quite a hard question. It's, it's a good question, yeah, but it's good. a... They're going to be hard. A really good question. Okay, I'll do, yeah. one, do one more, then I'm going to eat my apple crumble. <laughs> what is enough? Oh, well, what? in terms of food, I think we've all passed it we'll, we'll, a we'll, we'll agree on the food tonight. What is enough? That's a good question. And I think what's enough, and this is one thing I said to myself when I was going around the world, the moment I think I've had enough of this journey, 
and that's subjective to each individual. Is the time? It's time to go home. What is enough? And that's when I think is when you, when you've come to your limit. When you think, okay, I've done this. I don't want to do anymore. I've come to the end of this road. That's when it's enough. That's when it's time to pack your bags, do one. Okay. And what about in terms of what's enough in terms of stuff and money and mm, that's a good accumulating question. and impressing your um, <sighs> your um, Pakistani mothers-in-laws and. It depends on your situation. It can be very subjective. What is enough to me is very living frugally. I mean, uh, I live very simply. Cycle touring teaches you how to live simple. Everything that matters to you materialistically is, is, goes with you at every pedal stroke. So really, I would like to think that's enough. You know, I don't need, I, I wouldn't want that kind of a wealth that, that would, uh, because you see, what, you see what instant wealth can do to people. You know, initially, I mean, it's, it's a great ball game. You know what I mean? You can do all the things you want to do, all your dreams, but everything comes to a plateau. And one of the stories I'll never forget, I read about somebody who came into instant wealth was he was a baker and uh, he won the lottery. And then when he won the lottery, he found himself over the years being secluded and rejecting people because they're after his money and the, you know, people coming out of the woodwork and what have you. And to the point where he went into depression, obviously for the first few years it was great, but then he plateaued after he got fed of buying stuff, his wealth wasn't doing it for him anymore. And then to the point where he reflected on his days as a baker and saying that was the best days of my life when I used to go down to the pub with my mates and have a chat and go out on an odd night out. And to the point where he actually topped himself. He got that extreme. So... Uh, and also I learned along the journey that the wealth, uh, one of the biggest lessons I learned is, is uh, uh, for me in terms of what is enough is like, uh, you know, um, happiness, wealth doesn't correlate with happiness. I saw some of the poorest countries where the kids are the happiest and I saw some of the richest places that don't have anything to do with you. Everybody's in their own communities. Uh, everybody's rushing around like, hey, no one's got time for you. And they look stressed as well. Uh, I guess if you have more, in life, if you have more, then you've got more stresses because you're stressing about more stuff. That's why people in poor, simple villages are happy because that's all they got and they're, they're cool with that, you know? I think the moment you start giving them an iPad and showing them the stock market and stuff like that, you know, um, it, can change the, it can change the structure of their life. So really, that's a very subjective of what is enough in terms of your life, what, what impresses what. And you're, you're about to embrace going back to the simplicity of the road. You know something I said, like I was saying earlier, you know, you do things, you can't go around the world, I don't want to do that again. But, you know, you like things in small doses because it allows you to connect with that time as well. You're living kind of the same way and it allows you to connect with the things you learn a lot from, living frugally, living simply, being at one with the environment, meeting different people along the way, absorbing, you know, you know absorbing the journey, absorbing the... You know, it's, it's, it's great life. Okay, you can't do it all the time, but it's just great to go. I, I do it in small, smaller doses these days. A uh, month probably being the longest now. So, so that's what I'm about to embark on, just to reconnect. Back to the good old days. Just to reconnect. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for well showing me around Leeds, feeding me till my stomach actually hurts. You, uh, you know the deal here. Actually. Showing me some magic <laughs> and uh, sharing with me your thoughts. So thank you very much once again, Imran. Thank you, Alistair, for the, for the visit again. Been a pleasure. Oh. Right, apple crumble time. It's gone cold now. Yeah. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Living Adventurously. There's show notes from every episode on my website, alistairhumphreys.com slash podcast. If you have enjoyed it, please take a screenshot of your phone and pop it up on social media 
or leave a review with your podcast provider. It makes a massive difference. Thank you very much. I teamed up with Kamut to make this podcast happen. In case you missed it, Kamut is an outdoor planning and navigation app that helps you explore more of the great outdoors. One of the many ways Kamut helps you have better adventures is with detailed route profiles. So, you've got your basic route in place with Kamut. Next step is to check the route profile. The profile displays the information you want to see, like the, the surface type, especially important if you're on a bike, and elevation profile, especially important for everyone, the ups and the downs. On a road bike, for example, that means you can anticipate the big climbs or ensure your adventure only includes tarmac, unless you want to spice it up and you want to suffer, in which case you can hunt for a gravel route or more single track. If you're hiking, you'll be able to see your elevation gain, as well as where on the route you'll need to push on to get through the uphills. Your very own outdoor experiences are waiting for you. Go explore more with Kamut. Head to kamut.com g and use the voucher code ADVENTUROUS to claim your free region bundle.